Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. <laughs> well, you know, we can't have everything, can we? Uh, so, hey, we have, Evan, there was a workshop that we did, man, I don't know, years ago. Years ago, I guess it was. Uh, but the workshop was on investing, and there was this cycle that we tend to go through. You know how we have the investor's dilemma. People have a fear of the future. Mm -hmm. They want to predict the future. They look at past performance. Uh, they get overloaded with information. Then what they do is they make emotion-based decisions. They break the rules of investing, and then they end up with performance losses. Then you back, you know. So this is a cycle mm -hmm. that people tend to go through, and this yeah. is why investors. I mean, if you ever want to watch my whole thing on that, there's a, there's something on my website, uh, paulwinkler.com, where I, I walk through that cycle as why investors get lower returns because it really explains what is really important to me in investing. So anyway. Uh, you know, we had this thing and that's a cycle and you can really track it pretty well because it's very psychological. Uh, you know, it's very psychological as far as, you know, what causes us to have all of these really bad experiences. Well, then what we have is also saving the investor, you know, and the whole idea behind saving the investor is if we can get investors to do the right stuff with their money and not screw up their retirement plans mm -hmm. and invest more academically is the point of view that we have. If we can get you to do this stuff right, you know, then what happens is we not only save, uh, we, we not only can, can save somebody's retirement, but we can also have an impact on the whole world. Absolutely. And the reason being is that if the investor screws up so badly with their investments and they just mess up their retirement, then what they'll do is they'll avoid the stock market because what they will do is say, well, it's just a gambling casino. That's all it is. And yeah. I, to which I answer, oh, um, do you know anybody owns a business? And they'll go, well, yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, well, do you think every day that they go to work that they feel like they're gambling? Well, no, they own, they own the business. Well, what do you own when you own stocks? You own the businesses. I mean, so it's, what's the difference? Uh, you know, so the reality of it is that a lot of people give up on things because, yeah. not because the thing that they're doing, not, you know, that investing in the stock market is bad. It's just how they approach it. Yep. So, you know, and that happened. You know, you look at the older generation that went through the Depression. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, that was bad. You know they they lost so much money, and then they and then you had the same thing that happened in the seventies. Stock market's dead, right? Stock market doesn't work <laughs> anymore. Equities are dead, right? It was the title of the article in Business Week. The death of equities. Yeah, and investors had defected from the stock market, leaving it the province just to older people that you know hadn't adjusted with the times yeah that they have they don't have the ability to adjust or right. make adjustments favorite paragraph of all time yeah and and it wasn't that it was just that they've been there done that they got the t-shirt right. they got they, they learned the lesson 
Yeah, they, they learned the lesson. Yeah. Yeah, no question, in the 1930s. So, you know, what happens is that these people will, you know, they'll they'll make these mistakes, and then they just give up on the stock market altogether. It just doesn't work. You know, it's, it's gambling casino. It's, it's no point in doing this. Uh, so what happened with... Um, and we, you know what we would teach in the workshop is, hey, you know, this is how you help capitalize capital capitalism mm-hmm. all around the world, right? You know, and then what happens when you capitalize, you know, these companies that are all around the world? You know, there is an effect that not only can you benefit, but also the rest of the world benefits because you know, you think about it. You know, what do we want to do as humans? We want to leave this place a better better place than we found it. And you know, if you can be that a person that owns companies and helps some, you know, gives give capital to companies that are operating in other countries around the world where there's poverty, and there's a great video on this that shows how not only have life expectancies, except you know, except in recent periods of time where you had a lot of depression, yeah. and you had some, you know, issues with life expectancies shortening uh, because of the the issues with that. Um, and, 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 you know, that is a, it's a kind of a weird anomaly recently, but in general, life expectancies and, and the level of health of people around the world has been increasing or becoming better as time goes on. And then also the other thing is that people have become wealthier mm-hmm. all around the world. So I'm watching CNBC the other day. The discussion here. It's more as a business setting. Everybody's trying to come together. I'll tell you one thing that I saw here. I see a lot of different people from different nationalities, from different religions, trying to come together. And sometimes business is a place where people can find a common ground. I like that line right there. Business is a place that people can come and find a common ground. Yeah. And let me come back to that in a second. I'm going to give you the rest of the quote here because I think that's a really key point about what it would take to get a higher level of oh you know, just community in the world cooperation and, and cooperation yeah. Yeah, yeah i think that's a good word i think that's a good word and easier than a political setting easier than a political setting really key point right there Easier business is a place to get people to come together, but it's easier than a political setting is what he says. I'm going to keep going. Regarding what you asked me about Israel's reaction and what it should and should it do, except for the fact that I know Israel has a right to defend itself and must, I'm not in a position to state what should and shouldn't happen. I'm not a politician. What I'm doing is my best that I can do as a businessman, as an entrepreneur. And I think it's up to all of us right now to find our own way that we can do our best. But I also think we can be one of two things. Either we're creators or we're destroyers. I choose to be on the creator side. I just love that line. Uh, It's excellent. I mean, really, really good. And the idea being that when you think about it, and as I was listening to him talk right there, my mind was going to when you run a business... You're trying to get cooperation with people. I like that word. Mm-hmm. All around the world, because it's like Milton Friedman when he did the thing on the pencil. On the pencil, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've never, folks, if you've never seen Milton Friedman talk about the pencil, and Leviticus is looking it up right now because I know how he is. <laughs> <laughs> But the pencil in Milton Friedman, it was so good because basically he got into a conversation or or just talked about 
how a pencil and where you know the lead came from yeah. where the wood came from where the metal came from for the little thing that wraps and holds the eraser where the rubber came from the country that the rubber came from and you know where the paint came from and he was talking about all these different countries coming together to create a product that we don't even think twice about right because it's so stinking common yeah and you literally have people from all around the world cooperating together to come up with a writing instrument absolutely brilliant and when they cooperate together like that you can't be fighting if you're cooperating to put something together that both of you depend upon its production for your livelihood right yeah and i and i've i was going to google it during the break and i just it escaped me when mm -hmm. you were playing the clip mm -hmm. um i want to say it was the mcdonald's philosophy or the golden arches doctrine or something like that but basically anywhere that there was mm -hmm. a mcdonald's those countries did not go to war with each other yes you know kind of illustrating that point of we don't go to war with trade partners that's right. It, it makes no sense to fight with On somebody side, that you're trading right. for. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go, you know, if I've got a customer that I'm working with yeah. and a client, you know, I don't go and generally, you know, show disrespect for them. And I don't go and, you know, tear them apart. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense right. to do that uh, because then I lose a customer. Right. And uh, and then, of course, everybody loses when that happens. So I, I did like that that last line on creator versus destroyer. Mm -hmm. I think that's a mm -hmm. that's just a brilliant distinction between two groups that makes it nonpartisan, makes it non, uh, you know, socioeconomic. It's just are they creating or are they destroying? I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I really like that line as well, because not only for business, not only in this particular context, but in anything. Yeah. And we think about it, what are we doing so often? We're destroying, we're trying to destroy our enemies, our somebody or somebody that we see as an opponent. Mm -hmm. And we got into a, you know, a, a big conversation with a bunch of friends of mine and, and, I, and I got into, we were all talking about that the other day. And just the fact that, you know, the right and left, you know, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, Dr. Dan Boone from Treveca was talking about this the other day. He, uh -huh. was, he was making a comment about how the left is like entrenched the right is entrenched the middle road the middle road that that is so narrow there are so few people in that middle lane so to speak because people are so entrenched on the right hand side and on the left hand side and they're not looking at what other people say and I, and I I told them I made a comment about uh, this one lady that was a professor over in Seattle Washington and it's not great on geography. <laughs> I probably would have failed that at Trevecca. Um, luckily, I didn't have to do that, right? You know, I, that wasn't one of my classes uh, for the master's program because uh, I wouldn't have done well. Uh, but I made a comment about this. Uh, I said, there's a mountain range over there, right? And he goes, yeah, Paul, there is. Okay. <laughs> and I said, well, it was interesting. This professor brings her students over on the other side of the mountain. And on uh -huh. the other side of the mountain is a very conservative group of people. And one of the things that they did is they got into conversations with each other. And what they found, the people that were very, very liberal on the West Coast side of the mountain range uh -huh. actually made comments about how they were surprised. They were shocked 
that the counterparts on the other side that had voted on the opposite aisle, opposite side of the aisle, uh-huh. as they did, that the things they were voting on, the things that were important to them, were not the things that they thought mm-hmm. that you know that they were that were they were voting for. Yeah. You know, so it was so interesting because they were voting on things on the east side of the mountain range that had everything to do with their economic standing and how they were being told that they could or couldn't use their land. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that it wasn't the social things, that yeah. it wasn't the social aspects that the other people on the other side thought were so important. So it was just very, very interesting. Yeah. And I said, so a lot of times it takes that, just guys get together and talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. But that's what business is. And as investors, that's what we get to do. I mean, it's, I just said something. Actually, it's one of the keys to being happy. I have to do this. No, I get to do this. That's, That's right. one of the keys. Paul Winkler, listening to the Investor Coaching Show, along with Evan Barner. We'll take a quick break and be back. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler. Okay, so I got to do it, Evan. Lay it on me, man. I got to do it. Nick, I got to do it. You got my audio from my... What are you doing? I'm going to do audio from my, my phone again. You Let's ready? Let's do it, yeah. That's what we do every Halloween. I don't... We, we, do, we do this. This is I wasn't tradition. here for this last year. So, this no, I didn't. New. I know, this may be new for you. So my son, when he was just a little punk, before his voice changed, Andrew will never live this down. Oh. I, I made him do something, and he did a killer job on it. But this is this is what we got to do around this time. Here you go. So no one accuses me of being a David Letterman wannabe. Here are the top 12 scariest things that you can hear from your broker or your broker's office this Halloween from the perspective of my son, Andrew. Okay, number 12 scariest thing you can hear from your broker's office this Halloween. We're sorry, but the number you've dialed is no longer in service or has been disconnected. Number 11. We got a government bailout because of our bad investments, but we know exactly how to manage your money. Big investment firm. Number 10 scariest. Well known. You can get stock market returns with no risk in this investment. And the number 9 scariest thing you can hear from your broker this Halloween. No, we didn't accidentally leave any zeros off your account statement. Number 8. You stayed in the markets? I got out months ago. And here's number seven. Congratulations, we're naming tax law after you. And here's the number six scariest thing you can hear from your broker's office this Halloween. Please sign here. My car payment's due. Uh, I mean, this is good for you. And coming in at number five. I thought that when you said you wanted to invest in gold that you wanted me to wear it. 
And here's the number four scariest thing you can hear from your broker's office this Halloween. I don't understand this, but my manager says it's a great investment. And coming down the pike at number three. Our firm's been around for 80 years and only been bailed out by the government once. And here's number two. You didn't really want to retire this year, did you? And finally, the number one scariest thing that you can hear from your broker's office this Halloween. I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that I didn't put all of your money with Bernie Madoff. That is a Halloween tradition around here. Man, I think he was... Oh, what he was... He must have been eight years old. Or nine years old when we did that. Yeah, I guess it had been like nine because Bernie Madoff had just hit the news when I did that thing, probably. Yeah. yeah. yeah nine. Yeah, I think something... Yeah, about nine... Yeah, about nine years old because he was born in 2000. Yeah, it makes it easy to remember his age. <laughs> That's crazy. Last night I looked up Bernie Madoff. Did you really? Why were you looking that up? Because I was watching some YouTube channel and they brought him up. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you, you look at who took adva- who he took advantage of as wealthy investors. Go figure. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.